so many people with long-term health challenges and mystery illnesses get gaslit yeah. and they get minimized and dismissed. And one of those doctors really just put me to my breaking point because when you're this sick, the world teaches you, you need to depend on the authority figures in the medical world. Mm-hmm. And they can be pivotal, pivotal in your healing process. But the problem is, is we give our power away. And we, we abdicate our power to the doctors. Hey, hello, and welcome to the And Then We Will podcast. I am your host, Christina Borsetti, and we are on episode 42. Are you someone who is battling a long-term health condition? Do you know someone who is? If that's the case, you're going to want to listen to today's episode. I'm speaking with Carrie Bacchier. She is a well-being empowerment coach who specializes in helping ambitious women who have knocked down by long-term health challenges shift from illness to wellness so they can get their groove back and reclaim a life they love. Whether they're navigating challenges like Lyme's disease, brain injury, mold sickness, or autoimmune disease, Carrie helps these women rediscover their power and own their voice. Using a holistic approach, she guides her clients in reconnecting to their inner wisdom so that they can make empowered decisions about their health and whole lives. Carrie is a survivor of multiple major illnesses. She knows how lonely it feels, wondering if anyone gets it, the pain, the exhaustion, even the invisibility. Well, she does. And she knows what it feels like to have your life swallowed up by your symptoms and is all too familiar with the overwhelm of trying to keep all the plates in the air while dealing with the impacts of your illness. She also knows how to break free of these paralyzing emotions and move through barriers to peace and happiness. Today, Carrie Becky is going to discuss her own journey with these major illnesses, how she's come out on the other side, and how she's going to help you. Let's get to the show. All right. I'm so excited to have you here, Carrie. I just, I love that now we're taking it from Instagram live and bringing it into this podcast. It's so exciting to have you here. It's so amazing. I love the work that you're doing with this podcast. Well, I'm just so glad that we stayed in touch and now we are back from work. Cause I think we did say at the end of the live, got to have you back. We're going to have this discussion again. So here we are. I love it. I love it. Um, for my friends that are listening in who don't know, we met during the pandemic. And when I say met, I use air quotes because we met online, right? We did. (laughs) There were no, right. I think the magic was the commonality, uh, of Brendan Burchard. Mm. And, uh, one of us saw the other, and I think it was you, I think you saw me comment on something Brendan had posted and sent me a DM and I I was just so tickled and it was, it's just such an amazing connection because your vibe and your energy and what you're sharing with the world is so amazing. And so in a line with the spirit of what I'm doing as well. Yeah, absolutely. And you are doing amazing things and helping this chronically ill community find faith and thrive. And I want to get into all of that, but we have to start at the very beginning of this journey. And so I want, we're going to get into your story. It starts about 2018. You have three young children. Were you working at the time? I was, I'd been working for 20 years at a local um, aerospace company. 
Okay. That's right. That's going to remind me of that. So you have this job and you're a younger mom. And then all of a sudden you start to have these cognitive issues. And when that first started, I have to ask, were you first, you were just like, oh, it's just mom brain. And then was it much more serious than that? Like what type of symptoms were showing up for you? Well, so, you know, actually it started about two years beforehand when those mom brain questions started coming up Mm -hmm. and and they really were moments. There were moments where I was connecting in with, um, I would meet a colleague in the hallway and we'd be having this conversation that clearly told me we knew each other well. And I had the sense that we'd worked closely together. Mm -hmm. Um, and I had no idea who they were. There Mm. was no filing cabinet to pull from. There was just nothing. I didn't know their name. I didn't know what part of the company they worked in, how we'd work together. It was very disorienting and trying to hold the conversation and trying to be like, like I knew what was going on. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'd have moments like those. And then the smaller moments, like uh, forgetting a kid's field trip or something like that. And I'd ask my friends, I'd ask the people important in my life, you know, is this normal? And they'd be like, oh, you're just too busy. You're working mm. full-time mom. You've got three kids, blah, blah, blah. all of these things, because they wanted to reassure me. Sure. And I wanted to be reassured. And the thing is, I was getting clues and whispers and it really took those whispers turning into louder louder shouts even. And it was in 2018, the summer 2018, where I started noticing other people noticing. And I was like, Mm. oh, this really, there's really something here. Mm. So for the second time, I brought it back to my doctor. And when I did that, he um, ran some tests. And um, when I met back with him and looked at the results, his end conclusion was that I, um, my brain pattern show, my brain showed patterns consistent with Alzheimer's. Mm. I was 43. I had three kids. Uh, I think they were nine, 11 and 13. I was freaking out. Sure. I was like, I would be too. Cow. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's the point where everything started to shift. I have a question about that too. So you're 43. Did they look at hormones? Did you guys go through all of that testing or was it just because you, that it was eventually the test, right? That caused a domino effect of issues. So tell us more about that. Well, so, um, there, there was other testing done, mm-hmm. but once I got this message that there was something seriously wrong with my brain, I wanted to double you know, get a second opinion. Mm -hmm. And so I went to a local renowned hospital, internationally renowned, renowned hospital and went to the memory center. And, um, the doctor there said, you know, there's no question here. It's not if dementia, it's which dementia Mm. It's like, holy cow. And they needed to do more tests to determine which dementia. And one of those tests, um, one of those diagnostics, um, I believe, although there's some dispute from their end because sure. they you know, wouldn't want to mm. claim it, uh, mm-hmm. I believe uh, caused a stroke. And uh, my my body with immediately walking out of the appointment for that diagnostic, I was having pain running through my limbs. And um, 
Within the next two weeks, I lost my ability to speak. I became hypersensitive to light, sound, and motion. So I was forced into literal darkness. Mm. Um, I continued to have pain running in lightning bolts down my limbs. Um, I ultimately had eight and a half months of daily vertigo. Uh, that was just mm. so disorienting. And, and that's just, oh, and the fatigue. You know, I always say, fatigue can't encapsulate the level of exhaustion. There is no word Mm -hmm. that we really have that covers the level of just guttural soul sucking void of energy. Yeah. And that took, that took about three or four years to lift. Oh, geez. That's a long Um, time. It, it, it was, it was a very quick, Things were already not great. Sure. But rapidly, my body fell apart and I, my world collapsed in on itself. And I'm like, what the heck is going on? Mm-hmm. But no one had answers for me. It took a year and a half to get answers. And answers. So are you able to share what test do you think it might've been? I hesitate to uh, share that test because I think you don't wanna, yeah. even though it happened, um, it's a very rare side effect. And I think mm. it's a very important diagnostic. Sure. So I wouldn't want to scare people away from that diagnostic. That's mm-hmm. potentially life-saving, sure. not just sure. for determining which kind of dementia, but also for other kinds of diseases that need this diagnostic mm-hmm. to be able to take action. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. Oh no, absolutely. I got you. I know. I don't want to scare people away from getting the the test that they actually need to get done. Everyone's so different. And so the, so the year and a half later, are you going to the doctor's office frequently? Are you there weekly, monthly? What does that look like between when you left that day with shooting pains, vertigo, fatigue, and then, you know, a year and a half later, what is happening during that time? Yeah. So, um, Honestly, I think there is a fair amount of medical trauma. Mm. And what I mean by that, there was a lot of gaslighting. There was a lot of uh, dismissing and minimizing of my experience because Mm -hmm. they couldn't possibly comprehend how I could get so sick so quickly without any, um, uh, what they would call a blaring red light Mm of, of, of what went wrong. Mm -hmm. I did have, so I had a couple, um, I continued to see the memory specialist for about six months and then he, um, then that went really bad in terms of, uh, mistreatment. And uh, I bring that up just because so many people with long-term health challenges and mystery illnesses get gaslit and they get minimized and dismissed. And one of those doctors really just put me to my breaking point because when you're this sick, the world teaches you, you need to depend on the authority figures in the medical world mm-hmm. and they can be pivotal, pivotal in your healing process. But the problem is, is we give our power away and we, we abd- advocate our power to the doctors. And the problem with that is that no one knows our body like we know our bodies. We have to step into our power, own our body intelligence, listen to the clues and follow those clues. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You're, you're, you're preaching the choir over here, sister. (laughs) (laughs) 
So, so I did, you know, when that, that doctor, that one doctor, um, pushed me too far, pushed me to the brink. And after the appointment with him, um, I said, I'd had enough. I cried horrible guttural tears, you know, just Mm -hmm. the shock and the despair. And like, how am I ever going to get answers? But there was a flipping of a switch. And I said, I got to take my power back here. And I've, I've had enough. And when I did that, I started very slowly getting connected with the right doctors because I learned how to communicate with them. I learned how to search for them. I learned to, um, approach with collaboration and curiosity in my doctor's appointment. And this is part of what I teach in the empowered uh, patient workshop that I do. There's so much that I learned about the effective communication, preparation, showing up and follow through mm-hmm. for an appointment to make the most of it. Yeah. You know, first off, I'm sorry that you had to go through that. I don't, you know, I, I feel so awful that at a time when you were trying to support a home and take and take care of yourself at the same time, the people that you need to support you, these people that we pay thousands of dollars to, we give them so much power and it's not to talk poorly against doctors. I think I was thinking of the example of like the, the more you drive your car, the higher the risk that you could get into a car accident. You're just out there more often, right? If you're going to doctors again and again and again, you're going to encounter someone who doesn't possibly doesn't know what they're dealing with. They could be having, they're human. They're human. I think at the end of the day, we have to remember that. And then sometimes there's just ones who just aren't equipped and aren't able to communicate that. And then you become the, you know, the, on the receiving end of that. Yeah. Um, so again, I'm very sorry that you had to go through all that, but the, the light at the end of the tunnel, of course, my friend is that you got to a breaking point and then now I'm going to change the perspective and the approach to how I go in to talk to these doctors and the right people will communicate. Correct. So you're no longer with this doctor and you found some new ones, which is great. Yeah. Yeah. And early. So probably there was uh, a doctor who I still work with today. He's amazing. He, mm-hmm. he listens, he sees you, he pays attention. He answers your question. He spends dedicated time with you. And w- what was good yet very frustrating is that he uh, explained to me that um, I had what was called functional neurological disorder. Hmm. And it's this, um, the way he explained it is that the brain looks okay-ish, but the software is misfiring. So essentially Mm -hmm. I had a misfiring brain. So when I said, okay, well, why is it misfiring? They're like, I don't know. (laughs) I'm like, well, how do we stop it? I don't know, you know, and it's like, okay, great. I have a label that gives me some language for sharing with other people, but there's no, like, there's no source and there's no solution. Now I understand better, more about, uh, some of the things you can do as, um, to improve your situation when living with functional neurological disorder. What I found out what I understand because I, 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 that wasn't enough for me. I still needed to know why, what was happening to my brain and my body and what could I do about it? So that was why I continued pushing for more answers. And it was a journey of pushing and not just settling Mm -hmm. that got me to a place of first understanding that it was, um, a stroke. And then Mm -hmm. continuing to explore, continuing to push, 
continuing to strive for treatments and anything that will would help me regain some sense of normalcy. Um, normalcy that got me a year after. So it was a year and a half to figure out the stroke. And then a year later, we determined through another, what I call a godsend, uh, through another practitioner, just in my backyard here, um, that Lyme and mold had been major players in my illness and likely Mm. were what gave the appearance of Alzheimer's back in 2018. How does that work? I'm curious. Yeah. So I call Lyme and mold, uh, the great mimickers Mm. because their impact to the neurological system and to the whole body, uh, mimics so many other illnesses. And in terms of the impact on the brain, you can have brain fog, cognitive disorder, memory issues, all of these things, there can be brain it's a strong word, but brain damage from the attack from the line mm. and the mold we know uh, also impacts the functioning and the, the, even potentially the structure of the brain. So it can give the appearance of many things, including things like dementia. Wow. Wow. That's new information. I did not know that. Yeah. That's a good thing to know if people are going in for testing like yeah. to get tested also for those things. I think like those tests always come later. Anyone I've talked to who found out much later that they had limes, it was just all the other tests first. And then they get the limes test or they go to a functional doctor who does the mold testing, yeah. tox, the toxins and things like that. So you said your doctor's um, a functional doctor you went for, for the limes and the mold or you no, went to- No, he is a, uh, they are traditional uh, medicine practitioners who had um, their own experiences with lime and mold and- parlayed that experience as they, what they learned, then they turned it into their heart passion to help other people because they were using non-traditional, largely European approaches to solving a solution, solving Lyme and mold in a way, both of those Lyme and mold are very difficult to treat. Now, Lyme Mm -hmm. can be pretty straightforward if you catch it immediately, but once it goes chronic and it gets embedded in your systems, can be very hard to break through and get rid of. Mm. And so um, this, this uh, doctor's office, these two doctors um, had, have brought this, these technologies, these alternative ways of approaching the healing process for Lyme and mold in an incredible way. And they, they saved my life and allowed me to get to the place of thriving that I consider myself at right now. And that, you know, you're asking about the frequency when I found them, it was probably nine to 12 months of at least once a week Mm. and sometimes two to three times a week of, uh, treatments. Mm -hmm. So it was, um, a very intense process. And I, you know, I was dedicated to it because I was determined to get back. Yeah. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about the types of holistic treatments or treatments that they were doing for the mold and Lyme together separately? I'm sorry. Yeah. The mold and the Lyme. Yeah. Well, you know, we tackled the Lyme first because mold, mold you can treat, but the problem is if you're still exposed to the source, Mm -hmm. the treatment is just like throwing money down the bin, you know, taking your vitamins, but eating all the sugar. Yeah. 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 (laughs) So um, we started with the Lyme and some of that is um, 
IV infusions mm-hmm. to help the body and brain um, better uh, absorb, better fight the disease. Um, one of them actually is a set of nutrients that change the cell structure. Part of what Lyme disease does is it changes the structure of, of your cells, the, the cell walls and pieces of it get, um, embedded and it's the, the infusion will flood the system with the right components to the cell wall. And so when you're out of balance, the, the process of, you know, going from, am I, am I explaining this right? It's like osmosis when you have a lot on one side of the, uh, a lot of, con, um, substance and then a little substance, it wants to go to make those equilibrium. So it would boot out the line and put the good stuff back in the cell walls. And when you make healthy cell walls, it allows the proper barriers between the external environment and the internal cell member cell. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that I, makes I sense. hope I explained that right. But it's basically getting the cell to function the way it's supposed to function so that the toxins and the bad stuff aren't getting inside the cell where the cell is doing the important work to help us live. Yeah, I mean, that sounds awesome. <laughs> it sounds incredible, yeah. an incredible science. And like, gosh, we have for that, you know, like, yeah, you did a great job explaining it. And so are you are you still doing treatments with that or we're done with treatments with that? So if I get a mold hit, for example, um, there's things that I need to do. And one of them is, uh, like an IV infusion. Um, there's things I need to do in the house. There's, there's, um, binders that you can take part of, part of my own experience is that I'm one of the 23% who can't remove, who have a hard time removing the mold from my system. And so there's binders that help the body do that. Um, and then there's the IVs and then in terms of the Lyme and the impact on my brain, uh, I still go for tune-ups. I do neurofeedback tune-ups to help my brain um, function better mm-hmm. and clear the fog. Yeah. Uh, so, but it's, you know, going from two to three times a week to now it's maybe once a month. Yeah. That's awesome. So yeah. good. Yeah. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. The things you can do when you're not going to appointments two to three times a week. Yeah. And those appointments were not like 15 minutes. Oh, sure. Those were like hour, hour and a half, sometimes two hours. Right. My so, goodness. and there was a whole range that I, I didn't even get into of other treatments that it's just so beautiful that there's these amazing advances in technology mm-hmm. and understanding of, um, what can be done. Mm -hmm. And it's wonderful that, uh, there's practitioners out there doing it. What I find disappointing is they can be so hard to find. Yeah. They can be Mm -hmm. so hard to find. And there's so many limits. You know, I was in a place, I am in a place of privilege where I was willing to take the financial risk to invest in these things because they weren't covered by insurance. Yeah. That's, that's what always gets me too. There's so much good that it should be accessible to everybody, but it's so expensive. Yeah. It adds up. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, I think it's, it's a good thing that you had the opportunity to have access to these doctors and their technology, because now you can let people know 
that it is out there, that it's available. So I actually would love it if you would be comfortable. I can put their their information in the show notes if people are struggling with mold and limes just to talk with them or at least to go to a site and see more there about is them. A, there is yeah. a Lyme practitioner uh, um, clearinghouse kind of place that cool. I can give you the link to. I yeah. think that's probably the That'd best. Be awesome. So you can find places local to where yeah. you are. It, I just have to say too, is that all of it is fascinating. Mm. All of it is fascinating. And, you know, chronic Lyme, people get so desperate Mm -hmm. because it's so debilitating and so devastating. And so um, we just got to find ways to um, increase access Mm -hmm. and increase the, the um, availability of these really powerful methodologies. Yeah. Let's keep talking about it. Keep, you know, find, we go find a way to get things covered. There's going to be you know, get, getting people out there to, to, you know, storm the gates and get these companies yeah. to, I know I, I was, it was interesting because I was having this conversation and I don't know if I'll put this into the the episode, but uh, I was having a conversation with my girlfriend whose family has opted to go through this. I wouldn't call them an insurance company per se. It's it's like you pay an out of pocket. So when you walk into an appointment, you pay cash, but that you are paying them as well. And it's a deductible, quote unquote, um, that gets fulfilled. And then everything after that, they cover for you. So it's similar to insurance, but it's not insurance is what she was explaining it to me. But um, yeah, she was just saying there's so many more things that are accessible through this third party group. But again, it's a sort of a matter of privilege. I mean, she and her family can afford to pay this large lump sum to this third party in order to have the access to more of like these concierge doctors and things like that. But I wish that it wasn't so high end. It's It just doesn't, it's the people who need it aren't the people that necessarily have all that money, right? So um it's, yeah. it's people who are working in the field, working in the forest, work, you know, mm-hmm. um, all of mm-hmm. us are exposed to ticks if we're, if we're walking on or laying in the grass or whatever. So, and it's not, I don't say that to be fearful, but it's, it's really, it's out there. And probably the people who need it most, like you were just saying, are the people who are most exposed. And some of those people are less economically privileged and they're sure. doing the manual labor. Yeah. I, I I was the other day, I pulled a tick off the back of my leg and I have, I was, had been there for, I think had been there longer than I thought, unfortunately. And I haven't gotten a tick since I was seven, eight, uh, yeah. you know? Um, and then my daughter had a couple on her when she got home from camp one day, which freaked me out. And this was the first year that we, as a family, my dog, my husband, we all had these, these ticks were like, all around us. I don't know whether they just started to never had these problems before. So it's got it's, proliferation. Yeah. I'm just like, it's on top of my mind too. So, you know, everyone's like, wait a couple weeks to see if, you know, you get the fever and things like that. And I'm like, well, what if you don't? And no, you, I mean, no, no, no. Because- I, I, I am a big proponent, one of pre- prevention, you know, mm-hmm. and part of the prevention is putting some either essential oils or tick guard, at least mm-hmm. at the base of your legs. But then if you do get a tick, you know, there's particular ways to remove it. And mm-hmm, there mm-hmm. is, um, there's a misunderstanding that you'll always get the bullseye. You'll always get the immediate symptoms. Mm-hmm. But the, the thing is, is you want to treat it as quickly as possible just to eliminate the chance of it setting in part of it. You got it on, um, 
You got the tick on the back of your leg. Are you looking at the back of your leg on a regular basis? No. You, you know, if, if you've had it there for a couple of days, maybe you already had the bullseye before, before, you know, you notice the tick. Now this isn't to freak you out. Power is in education, power is in prevention. So there's things that we can do. At least have a conversation with your doctor. A lot of doctors are super conservative, but this is where going in with confidence, clarity, and an attitude mm-hmm. of collaboration. Listen, I'm really scared about this. Um, I know the long-term impact if we don't treat it. You know, what can we do? Yeah. Right. These are mm-hmm. the kind of conversations that can save you years of struggle. Yeah. So let's talk about that because I think that that is a huge issue for why people don't go to the doctors or when they do go in and the doctor says, do you have any questions? They're like, no, no, just tell me what I need to know. And I want to get out of here. And I don't want to be told anything negative rather than going into it with an exploratory mindset. So that's part of what you're teaching your clients Mm -hmm. to do, you know, taking them from that shift. Um, So what so when you bring them through those pieces, is it just you're just you're equipping them with the encouragement to do that? Or are you giving them like a like a checklist? Like what are you doing for your clients to help them with those interactions? Really, it sounds squishy, but it's so important. It is back to what I was talking about about taking your power back, knowing that your voice matters, know that connecting into your inner wisdom and listening to your body. There's so much information there. So I'm helping them first to connect into that inner wisdom and to listen. Second, I'm helping them with their own trust of self Mm -hmm. and trust in self creates confidence. So going in with confidence and another part of confidence comes from preparation I would say that having making the most of your doctor's appointment, 60 to 70% of the success comes from what you do before the appointment. Mm-hmm. So we're walking through some methodologies of what you need to do before you go to the appointment so that you can show up fully. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, are you speaking directly to people who have experienced things that you've experienced or are you, is your uh, bubble expanded beyond that? Definitely my bubble has expanded beyond that. Um, While my story is unique, there's universal threads that run through it. And Mm -hmm. part of that, uh, uh, part of those threads is the, um, the doctor experience Mm -hmm. and the patterns that so many of us fall into when we're working with a doctor, whether it's like, let let me get in, let me get out. Um, You know, uh, uh, seeing them as the authority figure over you, um, letting them talk fast and squeeze you into that 10, 15 minute period, and then leave Mm -hmm. you with 10 million questions that weren't actually answered. Mm -hmm. Um, of course that's an exaggeration. No, I know what you're talking about because yeah, I mean, I had a doctor's appointment today and the girl brought me in the, the assisting nurse and she's like, you know, just asking me, do you have any questions I should tell the doctor before she comes in? And I was like, no. And then I'm sitting in there waiting. I go, wait a minute. I do have a lot of questions. <laughs> but when I booked the appointment originally, I had all the questions and you have to wait so long. This is a specialty yeah. appointment. And so I had to wait so long. So by the time I got to the appointment, like six months later, I'm like, why am I, you know, why for the thing, those preventative ones. Right. But the ones where you're going in 
I experienced that because I was working with a urologist because I was having kidney stuff going on with the stones and whatever. But I remember I went in and this doctor, I don't think he was expecting it, but I went in with a a printout of my questions and I go, we're going to start here. We might tap into some of these sooner, but we're going to go through these. Good for you. You know what? Yeah, I felt good. And I was like, if he's, he he enjoyed it. It probably was challenging because most of the other times, I'm sure the other appointments, he's just like kind of telling people whatever it is, you know, no status yeah. quo. Um, but I think you probably, yeah, a good doctor is going to appreciate that you're curious and it's going to challenge their knowledge as well. Right. So yeah. I think that that's, you'll find the right fit. I think people also fear, um, and again, not getting too off topic, but again, fear, fearing that, Oh, I'm gonna have to find a new doctor if this one doesn't work out and staying in a, an a uncomfortable place with a doctor that's not helping them. Uh, instead of finding one that will. And so I think that those questions, like you're saying, finding yourself, finding your empowerment that you're giving to your your clients specifically, Carrie, and then helping them prepare for that appointment is just, it's going to make them feel confident that when they do live that appointment, if they're not, their questions aren't getting answered, they're not being met. They can feel confident they will find somebody else because they have that empowerment now, right? Well, yeah. And part of the misunderstanding is that is that we're working for the doctors or the doctors are in charge. But the truth is we're hiring the doctors. That's true. Like, you know, they're in service to us. Now setting it up like that doesn't always work. And that's why I encourage the collaboration, but always being aware that you're in control. You get to choose to choose this doctor or not. Mm -hmm. Um, It may not be easy, but it is possible to find another doctor. It is possible to find a doctor who listens, who sees mm-hmm. you and answers your questions and takes care of the issues that you're bringing forward. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's kind of getting back to when we get into coaching, you know, finding out your, your why it sounds like you said a little squishy, but you know, what is your why for seeing this doctor? What do you want out of this appointment? And, you know, cause sometimes you, you sometimes you just want to go to a doctor this is me personally. Anyway, I want to go to a doctor who's going to be like no strings attached. Tell me what's up. And then other times I'm like a little uncomfortable and I want to, I want someone to talk me through a few things. So it's like, you kind of have to go into the appointment with those, with that um, understanding. But you you mentioned misunderstanding. So what are some misunderstandings that, uh, that we talked about this earlier offline and I'm looking for my question, of course, the common misunderstandings of what it means to be chronically ill and what that means for the life. So can you explore one to two sort of common misunderstandings? Yeah. Sure. I think, um, I think the biggest misunderstanding is around the word chronic illness. Mm Mm-hmm. So many times that is heard and it's like, oh, I'm so sorry. As if your life is over. Your life is not over. (laughs) It's maybe a little bit more complicated, but you don't have to. um, I'm going to say it. You don't have to play the victim. This isn't the end. It It is about accepting where you're at. Uh, the circumstances, your limitations, and working within those limitations until you're well enough to start testing them. And so it's a little bit of a paradox, but early on in your illness, you have to be able to say, oh my gosh, this is happening. This is real. 
And because this is real, I need to get curious once again about what I'm actually able to do. Personally, when I um, was early on, I kept trying to be the person I had always been. I kept trying to do the things I'd always done. And what would happen is I'd run into this brick wall of like not being able to do it. And it would set off this cascades of emotions and feelings and thoughts and uh, despair, really, that, oh, my gosh, like I've lost everything. And why can't I do this? This whole spiral. Right. Um, but if I had allowed myself, which I eventually did to say, hey, I'm learning my limitations. Can I do this? And if I can't do this right now, it's it's not forever. But right now, if I can't do this, what can I do? Rather than focusing entirely on what's not possible, what is possible and how can I use that to further my road to recovery? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. That's really powerful. Yeah. And you also work with going through those stages of, oh, I've been diagnosed and yep. yeah, because I saw that on, I on call social that the too. chronic illness life cycle. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. it's, it's the seven phases of living with a chronic illness and it goes from crisis through to thriving and embodied well-being. So thriving can be a part of your, your health and wellness. It can be part of your experience with chronic illness. They're not um, isolated from each other, but it is a choice and mm-hmm. it will take effort and intentionality. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's where your services are so powerful because you, we need that. We need someone else to, who's been through it and also also can just, yeah, I can, who's been through it, who can coach us through it, who can hold our hand through it mm-hmm. because it's a, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot. And you need someone else who understands that because most people won't, you know, I have a, a dear uh, family friend. She's been dealing with um, endometriosis and um, things that are alongside of that. And it's, it's really from my, my side of things at the beginning, I was always like, I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry. Like playing into that victim role. Like you said, she'll let us know. She's, you know, she's at a place now where she'll let us know what's going on. She'll take a step away from activities. She's able to you know manage her emotions and her health and, and as much as she can. And, you know, it's, it's been a learning process for me to say, okay, well, I see her, she's doing things. She seems to be acting fine. So is she really, is she really that sick? Uh, is another, right. That's another thing. It's invisible. The visible illness is such a weight because personally you're striving to be normal. The fact is parts of your life aren't normal Mm -hmm. and, and you need help and you need support and you really want people to understand but because you're striving to be normal, you're striving to look normal and feel normal. Other people see you that way. And then um, it's sometimes energetic. It's sometimes thoughts. It's sometimes behaviors. Mm-hmm. The way they interact with you diminishes your experience mm-hmm. at, at, at worst and at least doesn't support the experience. Yeah. So I have a, a question from that then. So for someone who is interacting with somebody who has a chronic illness, right? Would you, I mean, would you say to that person, like, just treat them normal? How would you, 
tell them not to make this person feel like the victim? Like, what would you, what would be uh, something if that you I could- was, if I was interacting with someone with chronic illness? Yeah. Let's play it out that way. Uh, you know, I've used this word a couple of times and I, this is one of my core values. And one of the core things that I teach my clients is it's about getting curious. You know, it's not, it's not saying, Oh, tell me what's going on. What's not working for you right now. But it's like, Hey, you know, I, I know sometimes it can be hard. How are you doing? It's, it's acknowledging and opening the door and giving the other person the permission to share if they want to share, but not forcing them to share. Yeah. Um, We can't know every single one of us, whether um, we all have something to, that we're struggling with. Mm Mm-hmm. And the mistake that we all make because we go on judging the book by the cover because it's a, an instinctual thing. Mm-hmm. The mistake we make is that, oh, she looks fine. So she must be fine. Um, and it's raising our own intentionality and awareness about what really is going on, getting curious and, um, that's when the, the conversation goes deeper. The relationships mm-hmm. go deeper. When you get curious, curious, you ask for permission, you ask meaningful questions. Mm-hmm. And that's what I would do with someone who I knew was sick, but seemed to be doing fine. So that's a really good place to, to come from is the, the curiosity standpoint and being open and kind to it versus like when you come into it already feeling or being rather judgmental. Um, coming from your own assumptions and maybe some of the things you saw or read online or other people in the past, you know, it just, it really comes down to, yeah, just, I mean, it's just treating everybody some, with some kid gloves, you know, like really just treating everybody with love and kindness, no matter where you're at, really. I, each of us will be touched by it, whether it's personally or somebody in our family or, or a friend. I mean, there's so many, I mean, now that more people are talking about chronic illness openly, which I think is so beautiful. I just think about generations before there's never discussed that people probably lived with and never talked about. And now it's just so different. We're able to have this conversation. And okay. here's a, here's a thing about chronic illness. And I want to just get back for one other uh, misunderstanding. Yeah. And part of it is how we define chronic illness. The way I define chronic illness is any uh, health challenge that lasts more than three months that is having an s- impact on your life. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty broad bucket. And the truth is, is that too often, well, we're not sick enough. I don't have terminal this. I don't have terminal that. So it can't be chronic illness or, or that person's a lot sicker than me. And I'm not that person. And I don't want to be that person. I don't want to relate to that mm-hmm. way of thinking. So it's like, I'm not sick enough can be part of the misunderstanding around chronic illness, but there's power in owning the term. There's Mm -hmm. power in saying, you know what, this is, this is not just today. This is not just tomorrow. This is, this is kind of for the long haul and I'm in it for the long haul. I'm in it to learn how I can live my best life while having these health challenges. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And so we touched a little bit on that. Um, when I say on that, I was talking about the essential mind shifts that you also uh, speak about with and help your clients understand. So beyond the ones of going in with that curiosity mindset um, and it being explorative, what other 
important mindset shifts would you, or like one additional one that you might want to add in there? One of the most important misunderstandings is that you're all alone. Mm-hmm. Um, every one of us feels like our experience is totally unique and it is, but that doesn't mean other people don't understand. That doesn't mean other people can't get it. Yeah. And so that isolation, that sense of aloneness can actually make our experience harder and exasperate our physical experience. So the shift is from, I am all alone to something like, so I would call the, I'm all alone, a limiting belief. And an affirmation that you would use to counter that is I am loved and supported beyond measure. I bravely ask for help. Mm. I mean, that could use that for anything, mother, (laughs) your job, right? Your marital (laughs) issue. I mean, across the board. Yeah. That's a good one, Carrie. I'm going to use that one. That one got me. Oh my gosh. Beautiful. All right. So I want you to tell everyone where they can find you and your beautiful coaching services, anything that you want the audience to know about before we get going. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Um, we're just talking about mindset, uh, shifts. And so, um, I am building a course called from surviving to thriving essential Mm -hmm. mindset shifts for those with long-term health challenges. Mm -hmm. And so I would love for you to uh, connect in with me. If you're curious about what that Um, I have my website, which is carriebakie.com. I believe it will be in the show notes. All my, all my socials are carriebakie or, you know, Carrie Dash Bakier, you know, but Instagram and Facebook are carriebakier.com, uh, carriebakier. And um, one way to stay connected is uh, through my newsletter. And as a gift for signing up for my newsletter, there's my flare up recovery plan. And the problem with chronic illness is you can get to this place of uh, healing and thriving and embodied well being, but at any point, you can be thrown backwards into a flare up, which is a sudden increase in your symptoms. And you can go into this spiral like, I'll never be better. This is only going to get worse. I'm all alone. All of these things that you spiral and it makes your flare up even worse. So I've created this flare up recovery plan. It's customizable. And you go in there and you say, okay, this is a potential flare up. Mm -hmm. What am I going to do under this circumstance? Who am I going to contact? What medicines do I need to take? All of that information, you have a plan and you can put it in your phone. You can put it in your purse. You have it. And it is a source of reference and confidence when you hit these moments of flare up. Mm-hmm. And so I'm um, giving that as a free gift when you sign up for my newsletter. That's awesome, Carrie. That's just like a blueprint. That's awesome. Yeah. I love that so but much. It's not my blueprint. It's your blueprint. It's yeah. your way of getting clear on what you need when you're healthy so that when you have the flare up, mm-hmm. you don't have to use your limited resources to like figure it yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I love that. Good. A roadmap for what comes next. If you know, that does happen again. Well, thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast, Carrie. Like I said, it was a pleasure to see you again. And this has been an amazing conversation. I look forward to connecting with you again to see yeah. where maybe like we'll do like an annual check-in with one another, <laughs> see where we're at. Maybe we'll do a little online summit, something fun like that. Get it all these. Oh my gosh. It would yeah. be so good. I yeah. always, you know, I was saying it at the beginning, but uh, 
the energy that we share together is just so amazing. And I just love our conversations. Yeah, me too. Me too. Well, I'll be in touch for sure. And thank you again so much for joining us. Thank you so much for joining me in today's episode. It means the world to me that you're here and you're looking for answers or encouragement, and this is where you're coming to find them. With that said, I appreciate you more than you know, even though we've never met. So make sure that you reach out to me, connect with me. If you want to hear specific things on the show, you want to have certain discussions, you have questions that come up from the show after listening to it, please reach out Christina at andthenbewell.com. And I would be so super eternally grateful if you would help other women like yourself find the show by rating and reviewing the show it takes about 30 seconds just gotta scroll on down and hit that five star button and if there is a review part that you can leave a nice little message i'd be it'd just be great to hear from you and hear what you have to say about a particular episode or the show in general thank you so much you guys are awesome i'm so glad you're here and remember as always take what you need leave what you don't and then be well i'll talk with you soon Thank you.